Welcome to Concrete Conversations, the Indian real estate podcast. I'm Yash and I'm Akshay and we're the hosts of the show. How has Indian real estate changed over the years? What are the latest industry trends and disruptors? How should today's young investors think about real estate? What is the future of this industry? Shedding light on this and more is today's guest, the CEO of Park Lane Properties, Akshay Kumar. With almost 30 years of experience in real estate under his hard hat, Akshay has personally witnessed the evolving landscape of Indian real estate. A CA by education, former CEO of Colliers International India, and a guest on shows like Property Guru on CNBC Awaaz, Akshay remains active about sharing his accumulated wisdom about the worlds of real estate and finance. Without further ado, let's dive in. Hi Akshay and welcome to our real estate podcast. How are you feeling this morning? Oh great. It's it's good to be with you guys. It's a nice bright sunny day. Of course it's covid time but you know it's always a pleasure to talk to you Yash. Great. Um so given all your vast experience in real estate we thought we could start off with a few general questions and then you know we'll move into different kind of topics based on that. So sure. one thing I wanted to ask you is that in almost these 30 years of experience is there has there been any development in real estate that has taken you by surprise or something that's kind of snuck up on you as an industry insider Well you know I mean we've been in inside as you as you rightfully put it I don't think there are things that have taken us by surprise I think there are things that have evolved and i think you know the the process of evolution is probably taken a little longer than we thought it would lots has happened in the last 30 years you know from where the markets were to where they are now but i think the pace of change the acceleration uh you know has been a more the last 10 15 year kind of situation and there also the pace has probably not been as fast as all of us would like but having said that lots has happened and really nothing really knocked me back if if that's the question so Uh, is it also to do, I guess, with the industry that real estate is something to make moves and to for change to happen? There's so much capital, policy, all these big things required. So it, you know, it's a big thing, and it can't really sneak up on you. Change in that regard. Yes, I think you know clearly the industry is vast. It's it's a very significant part of the GDP. Uh, you know, it, the interesting thing is that a lot of the rules and regulations of real estate are state specific. So you know, there's no central uh, regulatory situation. The center does its own big picture regulation. The states. Uh, you know, do their own regulation, so that makes it a very, very complex game, and you know, a difficult one at that. And that also leads you to the fact that there are very, very few national players in real estate uh, historically, and even today, uh, real estate players tend to be state-specific. That's where they are strong. That's where they have their own relationships. So therefore, you know, developers tend to be state-specific, and that makes it a bit interesting, a bit difficult, and a bit cumbersome as well. So uh with that in mind and given your 30 years of experience in real estate have you um found any developers who are able to cross state boundaries and and be successful in in various states Typically we found that not too many of them have been what we would call really successful or as successful as they are in the home market and therefore the net conclusion still tends to be that you know your home market is your best market there may okay. be half a dozen what we would call national players if you may but you right. know their their home market is where they still make you know their maximum product where they make their maximum money and what they understand best 
to do you feel that the 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 relative lack of success compared to the home market is simply because of regulations or do you think maybe you know consumer mindset in that in that second micro market has something to do with how successful they are maybe they're not able to understand the culture of the consumer over there uh, my personal view is that it's really regulatory and it's the relationships uh, you know at the end of the day uh, in your home market you understand the state you understand the rules you understand the people who run the state uh, and therefore it makes you you know far more uh, stronger uh, to get your approvals to get your product out etc when you go to another state there are other strong players they are far better equipped to handle regulatory and the environment and therefore it becomes a much harder market to conquer interesting just just to follow up since we're talking about uh, differences in states between players do you think that uh, any of these guys especially from a particular market have become a little more savvy in something in particular for example a lot of bangalore developers have done a lot of private equity raising recently right they seem to be the largest in terms of fundraising from foreign funds so any differences like that between different markets and players well you know i think uh, the money foreign money angle is one angle the interesting angle is that the golden triangle of indian real estate as we would like to refer today uh, to it today is Ch- chennai bangalore hyderabad uh, partially ncr i mean you know uh, the uh, mumbai kind of situation has kind of become history probably 15 years ago mumbai was the number one market it no longer is is clearly the number one market it slipped many many notches business and expansion uh as well as you know the quantum of real estate coming onto the market has got uh, centered around chennai hyderabad bangalore as well as uh, the ncr so mumbai has lost lost its preeminent position money obviously has flowed to the markets where maximum stock is produced uh the it industry which has been a fantastic contributor to the consumption of office space in india uh and is the, therefore one of the main engines of the indian real estate market uh has got concentrated largely in the cities that we just mentioned uh therefore the private equity money has gone there therefore those developers have thrived some of them have grown exponentially and you know they are actually become significant and large players in their own right where they were not 15 20 years ago and do you think that the reason bombay has lost out is is quite literally because of its real estate footprint because bombay as a city being an island city although now that's a contentious debate whether bombay is still considered an island city or not but do you think because of the fact that it's you know it's got a limited you know physical area and that's one of the reasons that that developers in these other places are thriving and that's why money is moving in these directions uh you know that's a good way to look at it but i don't think i fully agree with that i think mumbai is kind of lost out primarily because the prices in mumbai have been disproportionately high and continue to be very high i think if you look at uh, you know where the real demand is or where the price points are uh, you know where the market wants to absorb real estate it's very hard to produce that kind of stock in in the mumbai market so therefore you know chennai hyderabad hyderabad and bangalore have taken that niche position they've been able to produce top quality uh, office stock and residential stock at price points which are far more affordable both for businesses and for individuals and therefore the market's kind of slipped from their grasp and i think you know the it industry is a, is a big contributor you know people uh 
I think it's important to realize that today the biggest barrier to entry, if if you're a professional trying to move into the city of Bombay, the biggest issue for you is your house. I mean, you know, you can't afford it. Your rental is very high. Uh, you know, uh, till about 10-15 years ago, you almost couldn't even rent a house. So, you know, while Chennai, Bangalore, Hyderabad, and now the NCR have kind of produced enough housing stock at far more affordable price points, which makes it very easy or much easier for professionals even youngsters who are starting out to you know get a place of their own to be able to rent uh, you know in a, in a far more reasonable budget and you know the ecosystem the social life all of it has evolved so people are quite happy to bypass mumbai completely right that makes sense one of the things that yash and i are definitely both very keen to learn is that for you why real estate you know how did you end up in real estate and where did this sort of start Well that's a very interesting question you know I like I said qualified as a chartered accountant uh initially I worked with my dad and I found that you know he had a business uh electronics and I landed up working with him you know we used to keep fighting in the business and one fine day I kind of told him that you know I don't think we should work together uh to give him full credit he never stopped me he said fine you know if that's your decision just think about it for a day or two and then go ahead and do what you like and that's how i actually jumped into the corporate environment uh you know i kind of got sucked into city bank there's a story there as well but maybe not today uh and then i kind of uh, joined in uh financial control because you know that was my educational background Uh, 6 months into financial control in city bank i was getting so bored because all i was doing is making reports to send to somebody in new york and you know it was damn boring and i said you know what actually i don't think you want to do this for the rest of your life so i went to my boss and said i quit and you know he looked at me because in those days city bank was you know much sought after employer and you know people just didn't leave the bank that you know that way and especially you know youngsters like me i mean i was pretty young at that time hmm. and uh, Yeah, and my and my boss said, you know, okay, fine. I understand you're getting bored, but what would you like to do? And I said, you know what, the sitting there at a computer, sending reports to somebody I don't know, I don't see, I don't understand, is not my cup of tea. So you know, get me in front of customers, throw me into the market. I want to walk around. I want to see. I want to learn. I want to transact. You know, that's what I want to do. So he looked at me and smiled and said, you know, okay, fine. uh we are thinking of starting uh the property financing business in india uh it will be you know consumer financing and you know property financing and you know would you be interested in doing that and i said well you know it sounds a lot more interesting than what i'm doing so let's just do it so you know that's how i got into real estate i mean i was probably the first guy that city bank said okay fine go walk around in the market figure it out tell us what we should do how we should do it go to other markets that we operate in figure out how it's done there bring back best best uh, practices uh put together you know an operation manual uh, let's make a business plan and let's roll it out so you know that's how it actually happened right and uh, over the years i think the industry in india in general has seen a corporatization of real estate would you would you feel like this corporatization is something that's definitely beneficial to the industry or or do you feel like there are pros and cons to it and, and what do you think are some of maybe the the fallbacks of corporatization of real estate in india well i think if the story of real estate has to ever be written in india i think the fact that it's become from a mom and pop show to uh, uh, you know a more corporatized kind of setup and i think we still have a long way to go 
uh, you know, the fact that people like Citibank came in, uh, HDFC was the only daddy then. And, you know, then we were probably the second guys. And then now they had a bunch of uh, players uh, on the financing side and on the construction side. You have the cartridges, the Mahindras. So, you know, even till today, we probably have three or four real Indian corporates doing real estate. So I right. think, you know, there is evolution still there to happen. But having said that, I think it was necessary. Uh, it's going to be an ongoing, irreversible process. And I think it's fantastic for the Indian industrial, indu uh, you know, Indian uh, real estate scenario i mean right. you know that's how markets evolve they, they need process they need to kind of change they need to get chopped bad practices need to get dropped new practices need to come in and you know there you need more people more sensible guys more uh, educated guys to come into the sector and that's what's happened really in the last 20 25 years uh, very slowly i would say but it's happened right when you work with Citibank or Colliers, for example the market then was i'm guessing way more unorganized than it is now so how is it working with uh, foreign companies in that context how did they like you know react and get used to how the indian market works well you know i think uh, the first interesting thing that happened was the foreign brokers came in which was you know the uh, cbre and colliers and knight frank were the first uh, two or three guys to come in at that time there was probably no not even um, the regulation probably didn't even allow them and you know they had to work with the industry and with the government to allow uh, you know, them to operate in the country. And I think that was probably the first significant thing that the government did. It allowed them to operate in the country. Uh, what that did was, you know, it created a market for people, uh, you know, who were, who had education, uh, you know, who, you know, knew how better to transact. Uh, mind you, there was no formal real estate education in India. So there were people from all kinds of backgrounds who came in. Uh, I was a chartered accountant who came into real estate and I've hired probably a thousand, fifteen hundred people into the industry, right? From, you know, hotel uh, sales guys to, you name it, different backgrounds, you know, insurance guys who sold insurance. And, you know, they did, it was a task to get them to come and operate in the sector because, you know, real estate had a bad name. Uh, you didn't want to get uh, branded as uh, a real estate guy. Uh, <laughs> I remember very clearly that I had a, a colleague who had hired, uh, you know, he came up to me one day and said, Akshay, I want to quit. And this is in Colliers. And I said, what happened? And, and you know, he says that, uh, you know, I've been, uh, I've been wanting to get married and my family is showing me a bunch of girls. And, you know, three girls successfully have said, uh, successfully is wrong, successively have said no to me uh, because I work in real estate. And, you know, I said, I said, you know, why is that? Because he said, you know, real estate broker is such a bad thing. You know, people are uneducated, you know, they uh, have bad reputations and, you know, families uh, who don't want to get, a, you know, associated with, uh, uh, you know, educated guys like me who, uh, you know, work in real estate. So it was quite a task to coax him, to cajole him saying, you know, we are on the cusp of change. Things are going to happen. You know, five years from now, girls are going to chase guys who work in this sector. <laughs> and, 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 you know, uh, but he quit. He didn't stay. He said, you know what? I can't take this. This is not right. I mean, if I like a girl, I like her. If she likes me, she can't say no to me because I'm, in a, I'm a real estate broker. Uh, and, you know, that was a fact. So today, if you look at it, I mean, you know, uh, the uh, the top brokers in in the country, and I'm talking about the individuals who work in the in the multinational firms that work in the broking side. I mean, they are sought after in the marriage market. I mean, you know, it's come to that right. level today. So they do well. They are successful. They have visibility. They make money. Uh, you know, they are smart. They are well turned out. They are traveled. You know, they have uh, 
all the trappings of of good corporate life and success and mm-hmm. and therefore you know i guess the girls have become smart they go after that <laughs> and speaking of smart investments and uh, you know enticing uh, opportunities um do you feel that the indian market today is more attractive or less attractive compared to when these companies first came in well depends what you mean by attractive you know the sector is a is a is a big engine of the economy uh the hunger for real estate in india is not going to get satiated quickly uh you know it's it's one thing that all of us in indians grow up with we want gold we want a house we want a good education uh you know so you know we need to work obviously so you know the the demand for housing and uh, for office is theoretically infinite okay always demand is at a price and you know the debate about what is price and what is fair price and you know affordability is another debate but having mm-hmm. said that uh you know if you look at the big picture and i think that's a good indicator that supply today even today and we are not talking price points here uh I, there are lots and lots of people who don't own a home uh the workforce is increasing every day uh you know the economy is growing i mean you know fine we have blips and we have covid and we have all of that but you know india is still a, a you know going to be one of the growth engines of the world over the next 10 15 20 years and if you believe in that story then the real estate story is no when you're finished it's perhaps just starting or it's just kind of get you know it's on the runway even waiting to take off that's it interesting actually do you think that there is a, a lot of momentum left in still that whole segment of people that are looking to make their first home and all or do you think that given you know more securitization or financial products about like related to real estate that people are starting to see real estate more as an as a pure investment now Well, you know, there is a mindset change which perhaps may be happening and you guys can probably throw some light on it. But uh, if you look at, uh, you know, my generation and my parents' generation, buying a house and owning your own home was so so essential and it was like top of mind, top of priority and you just kept saving for it. Uh I think the reason for that was probably safety, security. Uh, you know, there was no rental market; you couldn't probably uh, rent a house. And also, where you owned your house and what house you owned was also an indication of social standing. Today, you know, it's different. I mean, you know, kids come out of college and they study in one city, they go and work in another city, they want to move to another city. So there is a far more mobility today in terms of professionals uh, as compared to what it was that many years ago. uh again you know let's not look at the whole market that way the a lot of people will still uh fit in the role of you know grow up in the same city work in the same city die in the same city and therefore would want to own in the same city it's still a significant population you can't ignore that but the educated upwardly mobile successful uh top 20 top 30 top 40% of the population is jumping around it's jumping jobs it's jumping cities it's jumping locations therefore to some extent to some extent i would say the need or the want to own an, a house and therefore drop anchor is probably less important uh in their minds in the younger minds uh they're definitely not fast in you know uh, uh they're quite comfortable to lease uh you know i think uh, it's not so much of a, a negative connotation to say i stay in a rented house right. uh, you know which used to be probably 20 30 years ago so things have changed and are changing but i don't think the basic indian trait and you know 
China and India are very similar in that uh, way. Owning a house, owning some gold and having, you know, stability is in terms of your finance still is top priority. And if I were to make that analogy with China, I mean, China, uh, as I'd like to say, or and from what I've seen, is much ahead of India in terms of the economic growth curve. And it's not changed. Everybody wants to own a house there. It doesn't matter how big, how small, where, but they want to own. So I don't see that changing in India as well. Uh, I think, you know, it will depend on your income, it will depend on your ability to earn, your ability to save. But I think property will always be a significant part of people's investment portfolio. Right. Right. So, since we are talking about rentals, do you think rental markets in India are relatively underdeveloped because landlords are also getting more used to the idea of renting and also this Model Tenancy Act that might be coming soon? Do you think that can change the landscape to make rental markets more accessible, maybe for even for younger people and stuff? Well, you know, Yash, it's, it's, it's already become much more accessible. I think, you know, the Rent Control Act changes that have been made over the last 15, 20 years have kind of changed the landlord's mindsets to, to want to rent. Uh, so uh, you, you do have access to rental supply in most markets now. Uh, there are... The issue really is that the yield on rental, and I think that's another very interesting angle, is that landlords or developers don't build to rent simply because, you know, residential yields, that is, you know, if I buy a house for 100, uh, I'll end up getting a rental of only perhaps one and a half or two in residential. Uh, in office, it tends to be something, you know, more like seven or eight uh, percent. You know, that's the kind of national average that we've kind of uh, seen over the last few years. Uh, but... Uh, at 2%, you know, when you're borrowing, even today, housing loans are at about 7 Uh, You know, if you're going to borrow at 7 and rent your house at 2 it obviously doesn't work. I mean, you've got to be stupid to do that. Only reason why you do that is if you see large amount of capital gain and appreciation in value, which historically has happened. But in the last 3, 4, 5 years, it's not been happening. So we are seeing, and I frankly, I've been telling all my friends for the last so many years, uh, and the industry doesn't like me for that. <laughs> is that, you know what, if you don't need to buy, you don't buy. I mean, stay on rent because I'd rather stay at 2% uh, than, you know, be paying 7% on my housing loan and, you know, save that 5%. Now, if I stayed for five years in a rental house and save 5% for year, percent, and that's doing basic math. I'm not doing, you know, discounted cash flow in NPV and all of that in my head. But, you know, fact is that I've saved 25% in terms of actual cash outflow on a housing loan versus renting. I mean, that's how I think. And, you know, therefore, I've been telling a lot of my friends saying I don't see markets running away in terms of capital appreciation historically. I mean, the last five years I've been doing that. So stay on rent, don't buy it. Do you think there can be a push from the development side as well? Now we're seeing REITs and stuff get developed so much. Do you think that developers will see a benefit to actually like, you know, holding and monetizing these assets instead of just being in that rush of pre-selling to investors and then being done and moving to the next project? Well, I think, you know, pre-selling is now, you know, the whole pre-selling game has changed Mm. and that's another story. Mm. But uh, to answer your question, as long as there's a mismatch, between, you know, the capital value, the cost of capital, the yield on real estate, you know, the developer mindset is not going to change. Uh, either interest rates need to be need to drop or yields need to move up. Perhaps both need to happen uh, for a more vibrant, uh, you know, renting market to develop for developers to create stock for renting. These two fundamental things will have to change. And, you know, till they don't change, the developer mindset is going to be produce and sell. 
if I was developer today, I mean, I'm paying 10% plus on my money. Uh, you know, I'm going to get 2% return if I lease. I got to be nuts to, you know, lose 8% and lease. So unless I start to see how I can make money by mm. creating rental housing stock uh, and getting into the business of renting, uh, I'm not going to do the business. I mean, none of us are in business to lose 8%. We're right. in business to make profit. And you said that pre-selling is changing already, correct? Today, uh, the game has changed. People don't want to buy till they see the structure up, uh, you know, and, and ideally they want to buy only, you know, what we call tala chavi or, you know, give me a, give me the possession and take my, take my money. So, you know, that whole pre-sale game has changed and it's changed primarily because developers have not been able to perform. They've been delayed in, in, in delivery. It's cost the customer an arm and a leg. And therefore, you know, customers are now with the power in the hands of the customer rather than the developers. I mean, customers have become more discerning, smarter, and, you know, therefore want to buy closer to completion. But, you know, uh, Akshay, this, I think, brings us to one of uh, the other interesting points that we perhaps wanted to discuss with you. Could you maybe highlight some of, you know, the interesting industry disruptors that you've observed over the years and why you think they worked? Well, like I said, you know, one basic landmark was... Uh, you know, allowing foreign brokers in. Uh, mm -hmm. The second, you know, landmark was to allow foreign money in. You know, I mean, till 10, 15 years ago, foreign money, or maybe now 20 years ago, foreign money was not allowed in real estate. Uh, you know, the reason was that, you know, uh, it would push up the cost of housing, etc., etc. Et uh, you know, don't forget, we have actually sold housing loans at, you know, 16, 17, 18 percent uh, IRR. So, you know, global interest rates used to be much lower. So the industry was clamoring for trying to get global money in. Uh, the government's mindset was that we don't want to allow foreign money into Indian real estate because it will push up the prices of property. Uh, the industry had to lobby for it. Uh, I remember I was on the Fiki Real Estate Committee and we used to talk to the government and do presentations on why the money should come in. Uh, so finally, the government relented. They allowed selectively, you know, money to come in. Obviously, there were things and caveats on what the money could do, not do. And the rules have changed progressively and become far more liberal uh, over the passage of time. But I think, you know, the, the point of allowing foreign capital uh, into real estate was, again, you know, a big one because uh, it's unleashed. And today you hear billions of dollars coming into the industry. Uh, but, you know, that was, again, a big shift in the way the industry kind of got funds, in the way they had access to capital. Therefore, the scale of the game changed. Uh, you know, foreign capital coming in was a very significant milestone. Uh, you know, the other significant stuff has, has in the recent past uh, uh, been, uh, you know, things like, uh, you know, the Real Estate Regulation Act, uh, as we call it, RERA, mm -hmm. uh, which I think, you know, has kind of... Uh, turned the industry's head in a lot of ways. I mean, the customer has been historically treated very badly by the industry. Right. Uh, you know, he's been rogered, he's been robbed, he's been, you know, slaughtered, he's been thrown by the wayside, he's been left to fend for himself. You name every possible negative word that's happened to the Indian real estate customer. Sad. Uh, you know, it, it bothers me. It was something that, you know, I've always kind of uh, been um, very unhappy about. But, you know, RERA finally put the game to a little more even keel. It gave some customer some, it gave the customer some teeth. It gave the customer some power. It put some, you know, uh, obligations on the developer, uh, you know, made the developers 
kind of want to or at least some pressure to behave themselves and you know i think that became therefore another very 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 positive piece of legislation in the indian real estate uh, right. uh, industry and history some of the other things you know stamp duty the mindset on stamp duty the dropping of uh, you know states stamp duty at one time was as high as 10 12% on, wow. on real estate so wow. you know today we are uh, sitting in in generally a 5% scenario across the country so point is that yes stamp duty cuts the rationalization of stamp duty across the industry across the country uh, you know some of the regulations around approvals uh, obviously automation uh, going online you know some of this is also happening in the approval process etc these are all very very significant things that have happened in the real estate industry and are are helping change and shape it for the future you know there are a few things which still be it like to happen but generally it's evolved it's evolved positively and some of the changes have been very very good for the consumer and for the industry i'm glad you ended that uh, you know on sort of a positive note but unfortunately my next question may not be so positive um <laughs> i i just wanted to ask you you did talk about rera and how it's brought things to a slightly even keel between the developer and and consumer but we touched upon reits also earlier today and now that with with the introduction of new means and methods for people to invest and the ease of accessibility to investing in real estate has increased um do you feel that there's there is still enough developer accountability for the funds that they raise through you know foreign investors through reits um uh, you know outside of the buy traditional buyer developer relationship well you know i think developers have to evolve when they are evolving uh i think it will take a couple of generations or at least two generations for developers mindsets to change i think you know if you grown up uh, eating vada pav it's very difficult to stop eating vada pav and start eating parathas you know i mean it's something like that so human mindset takes time to change i think you know it's typically generational change so you're seeing sharper change with you know younger guys of the families or developers and you know historically it's been a family business right developers i mean you right. like we mentioned earlier corporatization is still nascent in indian real estate so to answer the question is it is it perfect is it great is it ideal the answer is no but you know are we getting there i think yes we're on the right track we'll probably get there sure sure akshay so we spoke about like the you know kind of the ground reality and where things are at today so just in terms of generally where do you see the growth story for indian real estate heading where do you see this industry heading in which direction towards corporatization and products towards getting cleaner towards expanding to smaller cities what's your opinion i think all of these are going to happen i think you know corporatization is going to happen i think you know uh, <clears throat> uh moving to other cities is going to happen i think you know the uh, the way the internet has exploded in this country you know the reason and the need to be in a particular city is obviously lesser and lesser uh human beings are social so they like to kind of be with uh, people and in places where they grew up and where their friends are etc etc uh the pressure to move from other cities uh of course will lessen but having said that people are also tend to be upwardly mobile when you ask a kid in say a jodhpur i mean he wants to come to mumbai or a bangalore to work because you know it gives him exposure for to a different lifestyle a different culture a different way of thinking and most importantly i think you know kids get out of the house they get a legitimate you know uh, reason to get out of the house and out of the shadow of their parents <laughs> so you know so so i think you know kids still want to get out 
But having said that, I think, you know, the change is going to be all over the place. It's going to happen in smaller cities as well. And, you know, I think it's going to be great for the industry. I mean, people have to change. Change is, is the name of the game. It's always been, it always will be. I guess if we were to say that, you know, Sakshay, if you were to begin your career today, you know, as a Gen Z, as a millennial, um, would you want to invest in real estate? Would you look at real estate the same way you looked at it when you were, you know, the age of the, the Gen Zs and the millennials today? See, I think, you know, everybody should own some property or the other. I think property is a very significant part of your investment portfolio. Uh, historically, and I think going forward too, it will be a great hedge against inflation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what we are seeing that, uh, you know, cost of production of property, and I'm saying cost of production of property, you know, whether it's cement, whether it's steel, whether it's labor is only going up. Yeah. And therefore, at some point, the prices of property will have to go up. Uh, they haven't gone up for the last four or five years. So, you know, in, in, a, in a lot of ways, it's probably a good time in the next year or two to look at what you want to buy and when you want to buy. But I think buy you must. I think not to own property as part of your total, uh, you know, net asset value as an individual uh, is probably a mistake. Uh, having said that, I'm not sure I'm, you know, that's the way the young guys are thinking. But if I was young, I'd still think the same way. I think that's a fantastic note to end on. Um, Akshay, thank you so much for, you know, taking the time to be here. I really enjoy this conversation. Yeah, really, really good conversation, I think, today. Yeah, I think this captured all the insights we wanted to cover and I think our audience will really enjoy this. So, thanks again. Our pleasure. Yeah. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to follow Concrete Conversations on Instagram to know more about upcoming episodes and for some behind-the-scenes content. For more deep dives into the world of Indian real estate, stay tuned for more Concrete Conversations.